Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. Today we're talking about how God uses adversity to help us take our faith public. And we have in studio Dan Schock with CBMC. That's right, CBMC, the new local... Are we allowed to say that online? Sure. Okay, good. The new local chair for CBMC in Tampa Bay. Dan's joining us for our discussion today, talking about how God used adversity personally in his life to make his faith more public than it ever was before. Dan, thanks for joining us on the I Work For Him show. Jim, it's a distinct privilege to be with you today, and I I feel very fortunate to be here. I'm looking forward to, to encouraging some of your listeners out there as they drive home. I hear a lot of rumbling outside. Yeah, that's not your stomach. Thought maybe you were hungry. <laughs> no, Dan. It is. You know, God ran us into each other a couple of years ago, and then uh, we spent the last most of the last year on uh, early morning meetings in Tampa, getting ready for the Tampa Mayor's Prayer Breakfast, and got to know each other a little bit better there. Uh, you've got a passion uh, that is noticeable and noted around Tampa Bay. People know and love Dan Shock around Tampa Bay, and that's because of the passion that God's laid on your heart, which we're going to talk about today, and, and how it impacts bringing your faith public. But before we get started with that, because all those people know you around Tampa Bay, is there anybody you need to say hi to on the air today? Well, I certainly want to give a shout out to my wife, Sarah, who's at home. She wanted to come today, but she's having some problems uh, with the baby. She's seven months pregnant, and the baby's kicking her in the ribs, and, and so she's at home, and all my brothers uh, in CBMC, all the Christian business people. 
people out there too. This is somebody I want to say hi to. I know we're, we're driving home today. A lot of people have had a hard day, a long day, and they may be discouraged. And I want to shout out to all the Christian business people today. I hope that I'm an encouragement to them today. Uh, and I, I know you will be. What'll be funny is that Dan and I fight for airspace when they're, when we're in the same room, and it's and it's great. We're both very strong personalities. We both are very passionate about how God has called us, and so it's fun. I I, I, I asked Dan. I said, just make sure you give me a little bit of air on my radio show today because Dan has had a passion laid on him by uh, by God that is amazing. All right, so as I do with every guest, Dan, as I bring him on the, the show, I ask him to first share how Christ has impacted your life. How Christ has impacted my life. You know, can you imagine if you were in a burning building and you're burning up and somebody runs in and saves your life but dies doing it? Jesus saved my life and I should be dead. I mean, literally. Um, You'll hear a little bit about that in my testimony today. But he ran in and saved my life physically. And he's saved my life spiritually. And and he's given me an eternal perspective. And I I get to look at what's going to happen here for a few years that's left on earth. And then for, for a long time in heaven, I get to spend with him. So how has he impacted my life? He literally means everything to me. I'm in awe of him. Uh, I'm in love with him, and I, I just have so much gratitude and joy in my heart because he saved me, and, and I just want to serve him. I just want to hear him tell me one day that, hey, good job. You did the things I wanted you to do, and you did them with all your heart. Amen. Amen. I, and I know that along with many listeners, that is exactly the same thing we feel. Just can we get that? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't know if it'll be in King James Version or not, though. It probably will be in some, you know, maybe Hebrew or Aramaic. But, you know, just the whole idea behind that deal. I don't think people ever think about that. They're thinking, I want to hear that well done thing. But it's probably going to be in some other language. All right. So this whole week we've been talking about, I know Dan's looking at me like, Jim, wow. Okay. All right. So we've been talking all week about taking her faith public. On Monday, we had Congressman David Jolly talking about the toughest workplaces in the country, in the world, to take your faith public, and the worst place ever would be Washington, D.C. So we talked all about that on Monday. On Tuesday, we had Todd Hopkins with Office Pride. Dan, I think you know who he is. Talking about taking his faith public in his company and with his franchisees. And he shared some fantastic stories of people coming to Christ at his franchisee meetings. Just awesome. And so today, I want to talk about how God used adversity in your life to help you bring your faith more public. Because I know that on in February, on the 26th of February, 2006, your life changed forever. It absolutely did. And, and I want to know what happened that night. February 26, 2006, I was walking my dogs across an elementary school crosswalk, and I was run over by a car. A car was going 50 miles an hour uh, in Brandon, where we live, and uh, never hit the brakes, ran the light, and uh, there was a full-impact crash of a car into my body. Um, My body was crushed. It was broken. My back was broken. My legs were crushed. My arm was crushed. My ribs were broken. I had bones sticking out everywhere. And, uh, and I woke up at the scene with a lady giving me last rites, asking me if I had ever accepted Jesus before and, and if I'd like to accept Jesus. And, and I had accepted Jesus years before, but I thought it would be a good idea to do it again, you know, as I was laying there dying. And uh, I was starting to spit up blood, and, and she put things into focus for me very quickly at that moment. I was 35 years old. I thought I had a long life ahead of me. And uh, I asked her very seriously if I couldn't move. I had bones hanging out everywhere. I'm laying in the street. And I asked her to be honest with me and if uh, she thought I was going to make it. And she very seriously looked at me and said, no, I don't think you're going to make it. Now, for all of our listeners out there, 
if you ever come upon an accident victim who's in a terrible way that's going to die, it's okay to lie to them and tell them that they're going <laughs> to make it. You can fight for your life there. I think that's forgivable. But uh, it really helped to focus um, the situation for me. Because in every other life-threatening or financially threatening situation in my life before that, I had always talked my way out of it, manipulated my way out of it, or bought my way out of it. And I realized from what that woman told me that I wasn't going to get out of this situation. And I was facing, you know, death. And I went through a lot of stuff as I was laying there dying, coughing up blood. They had called the helicopters. The firefighters showed up. And I was wait- as I was waiting for the medevac flight from Tampa General to come get me, um, I had a lot of things going through my mind because I was conscious. I couldn't move. I had bones sticking out. They were sticking tubes in my lungs uh, trying to save my life. But I was conscious. I was thinking about what was going on. And uh, one of the things that was going through my, my head was I started to think about what was going to happen to all my stuff. What's going to happen to my, my big job? I was a national director of sales for a Fortune 500 company. I used to fly all over the country. You know, what's going to happen to my job? What's going to happen to my bank account? And, and how crazy is that, Jim? When I'm laying there dying, and I know I'm dying, and I'm worried about my stuff. You know, so that first thought was, why am I laying here worrying about my stuff? And I'm praying. I'm throwing up prayers. If I could just think of a scripture to, to calm myself down, because I'm scared. And as I'm, I'm getting scared, I'm, it's turning to terror. And then one of the thoughts that I had, and uh, this is a much longer story than we have here, but one of the thoughts that finally hit me was, today's the day. Today's the day my pastor had been telling me about, that one day each person will give an account of their life to Christ. And here I am, 35 years old. And today's my day. And today's the day I'm going to show up and give an account of my life to Christ. And I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready for it. But when it dawned on me that whether you're ready or not, that day's going to come. And, and, and I was accepting the fact that today's my day. You know, I was woefully unprepared for that. It's not that my pastor hadn't prepared me. He had been telling me that for over a decade, that I should be doing a morning quiet time, that I should be serving at church, that I should be doing these things. And I did a lot of nominal things. I was a nominal Christian. I went to Bible study. I went to Bible study fellowship. I had been in CBMC for many years. Older guys had been discipling me. I just didn't really do anything that had any eternal consequence, okay? I threw a couple of bucks in the plate. I, you know, if somebody asked me for money to go on a mission trip, I'd give them a couple of bucks. But when somebody asked me to serve, you know, I didn't have time for that. And we'll get right back to Dan Shock. But as we do every week, every show, sorry, it's time for our book highlight. On a weekly basis, I choose a book, one book that I believe will deepen the impact of Christ that He is making on your life. This section is sponsored by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Our book today is written by Dr. Steve Steff. The name of the book is The Business Card. Sometimes in life, God decides to use the simplest little things to initiate great change among his creation. This is possibly the only explanation for what happened as a result of just a few words added to the back of a business card by one successful American business owner. This book unlocks the secret of how just a few words have changed a man, a community, and quite possibly tens of thousands of businesses and millions of people around the world. You need to get a copy of this book, The Business Card by Dr. Steve Steff. And remember, read the book, don't wait for the movie.
All right, we're back live with Dan Shock with CBMC, and, and CBMC stands for Christian Business Men's, Men's Connection. Connection. I always want to say committee at the end because you know I don't. Well, know it used to be called committee. Oh, well, that's why. Okay, so we got Dan Shock in studio. He is now the area chair for CBMC in Tampa Bay, and that just happened. How, how long ago? Like five hours? Yesterday. Yesterday. Okay, less than twenty-four <laughs> hours ago. Dan has been heavily involved for almost twenty years in CBMC, but now they've they've knighted you and said, okay. Take us to the next level for CBMC. I guess that's one way of putting right, it. But we're not going to we're not going to talk about that yet. But we will follow up with that very very shortly. All right, Dan, going back to your story, you you're laying there on the ground. The helicopter's on the way. The ladies told you you're probably not going to make it. You're bleeding out. You got broken bones everywhere, and you're having these thoughts of, I'm not ready to die. I am not ready to be accountable, held accountable for the actions and the way I've used my life these past 35 years. What happens next? Now, remember, I, I was a Christian at the time. I, I want to differentiate between, uh, you know, I was laying there understanding that I had just been such a nominal Christian with my faith that I just, it, it was starting to dawn on me that I had not done much with my faith that I was going to lay at the feet of Christ. And there were specific things that the Lord was giving me during this time, specific things that I had failed to do, for lack of a better term, of, of being a poor steward. Some of those things, for examples that pertain to me, you know, they had asked me to clean toilets at church. When I'm laying there dying, after I got through worrying about all my stuff and who's going to get my stuff, and I started to think about my meeting with Jesus, certain things started to come to mind. They had asked me to clean the, the, the toilets at church, and I didn't have the time for that. That was beneath me. Okay. Well, guess what? That was one of the things that the Lord was showing me, that at that level of sanctification at that level of maturity, that was one of the things that he had called for me to do, one of the good works that it talks about. That was one of the things I would have laid at the feet of Christ, and I didn't do it. And there was many things like that that were pertaining to me. Some people say when they face death, they see a light at the end of the tunnel or their life flashes before them. What was flashing before me were the missed opportunities. Well, and, and you weren't dying, so that's why you didn't get to see the light. But what God was saying is, okay, you have wasted 35 years I'm going to give you another chance. Here's the things I need you to focus on. You're going to have a new life. So to make a long story short, and my full testimony can be found on my ministry website, danshock.net. Dan Shock, S-H-O-C-K, danshock.net. Shock like electricity. Um, but but to, to quicken what we're talking about today, here was the end result. Uh, I didn't die. Thank God. <laughs> that yeah. I think the listeners figured that part out. Yeah, they figured that out. And, uh, you know, I was helicoptered to Tampa General, and uh, they did put me back together. The firefighters uh, helped save my life. The doctors at Tampa General, they rebuilt my body. Um, you know, I've got a lot of titanium, a lot, a lot of upgrades, if you will. Uh, my golf swing is ruined. It's just slices terribly to the left now <laughs> because of all the titanium. No kidding. You're not but, mess. You're messing with the listeners, right? You you had a bad slice beforehand. And they that's true. They didn't. Fa- true. Okay, just a little joke. I'm the lev- the brevity. I'm, I'm just I'm just checking. I know we're trying to bring a little light. I'm like, wait, really? Seriously? Okay. So you know, the, the, here's the epilogue, and, and and I started to realize that I was in a wheelchair. I was. It was a terrible situation. I lost everything. Okay, and it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. But as a result of that accident, as a result of the adversity, God woke me up in my faith. I mean, he helped me to refocus on what really matters because I lost everything and I should have been killed. And I know for a fact, I know for a fact that he bought the back half of my life. He bought my whole life. He shed his blood for me. But I really physically understand that I should not have survived a car hitting me at 50 miles an hour that was totaled. If you saw the car, it looked like it hit an oak tree. 
And I survived that. The doctors were amazed that I didn't walk away with losing that leg with a massive brain injury that I can even walk around and talk today, which, by the way, today I'm totally healed. I have no ill effects from that. Well, when the weather changes, I feel those rods just a little bit. But I'm the recipient of some really neat stuff as a result of that accident. I got the eternal perspective. I never had that before. Everything before was what can I get out of you or what can I get out of this job or this person? The temporary perspective, the temporal perspective. As a result of this accident, I started to consider eternity and that the things that I do with the rest of my life, this gift that I've been given, can really have an impact for thousands of years. And I got that. I never got it before. I don't know if that's a gift. I don't know if you have to pray for it and ask for it, but I do know this. To all the nominal Christians out there, some of us don't have that. And oh. I would encourage you to ask for it. And let's let's take that on that, because I think that you, to get an eternal perspective helps you start to realize what matters. I think for me to get that eternal perspective, Martha and I went through Crown Ministries in 1999. And I'd already been a tither for decades already before, but it was... We went through Crown Ministries, and it shifted our paradigm to recognize how none of what we had here really is of any value, and that it's all God's. As you said right before the show, a thousand on a cattle, a thousand on a cattle hill. How about a cattle on a thousand hills? <laughs> well, you know, there could be both out there, so yeah, I don't know. But to be able to have that perspective is a gift, because this life on Earth is such a short, it's not even a dot on a timeline that goes... As far as the East is from the West, that's how short this lifeline is. But this is that's all we get. We only get the life on this earth to make that choice. Are we going to put our faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross, or are we going to reject what Jesus did on the cross? We have, we have a choice. We have but one decision to make in life. And without that eternal perspective, that decision doesn't make sense. Well, I like the stanza from the old poem from the old evangelist C.T. Studd. Only one life will soon be passed. Only those things done for Christ shall last, shall last. What are the things that, you know, as a business person, let's talk about return on investment. You know, I want to make a lot of money. And I, I let's say that I'm Tony Dungy at the last marriage prayer breakfast. Remember when he quoted that, that verse out of Matthew that said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses or forfeits his soul? Right. So you want to talk about a return on investment. When we start to invest in the things God wants us to invest in, you know, we have special things that God is calling us to do. Maybe it's cleaning a toilet at this part of your walk. I don't know. Um, But those are the things that are going to go into your heavenly 401k, if you will. Well, and it's that whole wood, hay, stubble, gold, gold, precious stones, and what am I forgetting? Is it gold, silver, and precious stones? Gold, I'm sorry. I totally blipped on that one. But to look at, you know, I, I had similar experience in paradigm shifting. I didn't get hit by a car, but similar paradigm. What's like God hit me with a car in my head, but where I had looked at my life before uh, July 13th, 1979, and there I had done nothing for Christ. And I, it shifted my paradigm to recognize, wow, I don't want to die yet because I have done nothing with it. And there's been several times in my life where I've had to refocus that, what am I really here for? Because I'm not here to make a lot of money. I'm not here to own a big house or drive expensive cars because everything I own here on earth is going to end up in a landfill someday. Everything. Listen to that, people. All of your precious garbage that you that you have and that you're filling your garage up with and all your closets, it's all going to be in a landfill someday. 
<laughs> well, I mean, so we're going to spend a lot of money on it. Well, some people are thinking right now, but wait a second, Jim. You, you know, I, I have to have a home. I have to have a car. Absolutely. Okay, but but then you go back to what are the principles of God? God has laid all this out in the Bible for us to understand. You know, the biblical principle behind, uh, you know, Matthew six thirty three: seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things, all these other things will be given to you. I think the other things, you know, in the abundant life, the houses, the homes, the the spouses, the those are the things that God's going to bless you with. That's part of the abundant life. He wants to bless you. I'm not talking about prosperity. I'm talking about he knows what you need. But we're differentiating between how do we live our lives? What do we focus on? How do we get prioritized to the things that the Lord would want us to be prioritized on? And that paradigm shift that you went through on February 26, 2006, you were one guy before that day. You've never been the same since. Never been the same. And your your walk with the Lord has never been the same since. It's never been the same. So if you were to put, as we come to the bottom of the half hour, if you were to put things in perspective, what is it, what was the biggest thing that changed in your mind as a result of that day? Uh, that's easy. On April 3rd of 1994, see, I remember these dates. That's the day I heard the gospel. My brother brought me to church. I was 24 years old. I had just gotten out of the first Gulf War. I didn't go to, to uh, church as a kid. So I'm 24 years old. I'm in college, and my brother invites me to church. I hear the gospel clearly presented, and I accept the gospel. I, that, what a great deal that God's he, Jesus died on the cross, and I get to, he's going to cover all my sins and allow me to forgive myself and everybody else, and he's going to forgive me. That was a good deal. I heard the gospel, and I asked Jesus to be the Savior of my life. From that point until the accident, I had never asked him to be the Lord of my life. I had never trusted him with all my finances, with all my relationships, with all my future. I had never gone all in. I didn't put everything into the center of the table. It was that accident, that adversity, that trial that allowed me to understand that it's all his. And that I'm just simply managing some things for a period of time from a stewardship perspective for him. It it took the accident for me to understand that he's qualified to be my Lord in every category of my life. That's what changed. Well, and I think it's awesome that you recognize that you needed to make him the Lord of your life because that's the deal. Jesus didn't didn't just come as fire insurance. He came to be to take the throne over from us in our own lives. So how how did your life shift from okay Dan the nominal Christian to now Dan all in Jesus is Lord of my life? What started to change? Well, I'd like to make a, con- a public confession, if that's okay. Uh, it's okay. The public confession is this. I'd been going to church for somewhere around 12 years at that point, and my pastor had been telling me how vital it was to my faith, growing, to get up every morning and do a, a quiet time, to get into the Word each morning in prayer and, and study. And I had never done that, Jim. That's the confession. I'd jump out of bed, drink coffee. I was a businessman. I was out for the kill. And, uh, <laughs> and that's that's what I would do. Well, that accident slowed me down a great deal, as you can imagine. I was stuck at home. I, I couldn't go anywhere. And so I would get up each morning, and I would get my Bible out. And I, you know, it was during those new morning quiet times that I got into the Word, and I got to know the Lord. Uh, I guess maybe he got to know me. Um 
personally, he started to reveal himself to me in new ways. And I started to understand the personality of Jesus. You know, I, I got one scripture in the accident on the helicopter to Tampa General, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, you know, walking me through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, I got to know the Lord personally as the shepherd. He revealed himself to me as the shepherd. You know, as I studied through the word, I, I met him as the wonderful counselor. He started counseling me because I was paradigm shift was a minor term of what I was going through <laughs> as a broken businessman. Sure. And, uh, and I got to know him as a healer. Uh, my back was miraculously healed at church. Um, that's uh, a miracle happened. That was a year after the accident. Um, I got to know him. He revealed himself to me as the healer. And, and so as the Lord, I heard people all the time talking about, you got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, I read about him. I accepted the deal, the gospel. I accepted all that. I had personal relationships with, you know, with, with uh, my parents, with business people. I even had a personal relationship with my dog who was in the accident with me. He survived, by the way. He was faster than me. But I, I can't say that I ever had a personal relationship with the Lord. Like, I have a personal relationship with you. I'm getting to know you. You're a great guy, by the way. Thank you. Um, but when the Lord started when i started to get to know him as these you know the healer as uh, the counselor as a shepherd i started to get to know who he was to me and that relationship that personal relationship blossomed in those morning quiet times when i was stuck in a wheelchair and i think that that's you know what i struggle with more than anything is that there's not enough churches around our country and I, I know around the world, but around our country that actually talk about that. that, that this is not about religion, because religion's all about money, power and control. This is about a relationship with the God of the universe who created you in your mother's womb and who put his uh, he, he touched you and put his spirit on you so that you could think. So you had a soul and you have a choice, though. You still got to choose to put him as Lord of your life or not. But he wants and he desires that relationship. I, I, I say it all the time, not necessarily on my show, but we'll get to that point, where when Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the cool of the day, and they hid because they were afraid. And and the reason they heard it and they knew exactly what it was because they had heard it all the time. They recognized the sound of the Lord walking through the garden in the cool of the day because he came every day to spend time with them. And that's what he desires. He created us to spend time with us. He created us to have a relationship with us. But we have to choose to reciprocate. He will not force himself on us. We are not robots. Is, isn't it amazing? Just what you said is, has reminded me. What did God, what, what, what is this all about? You know what this is all about? It was about fellowship. Right. Why would God create us? He created us because he desired to have fellowship with us, to have this relationship with us. Sin really messed that up. The enemy really messed that up. But he made a provision. He made a way. And if you're God, why would you go through the hassle? That's what I often think in my head. Why would you go through the hassle? You had it good <laughs> without the human beings making your life miserable. I, I, well, that's, I, that's a good question. Why do trials happen, though? Why, do, why does adversity happen well, I to I know Christians? exactly why adversity happens to Christians, because I absolutely thrive in my relationship with Christ because of adversity in my life, just as you are thriving because of adversity. God uses adversity in our lives to take us from who we are to who he can use. That's right. To, to Every time. Us. To for, right. To, to that, uh, whether you want to call it diamond in the rough, to take it to diamond rough, add some new facets. I just like it from who we are to who he can use because who I was, he couldn't use. But I was full you, of Jim. And don't you think he's preparing us for something? Oh, he's always preparing. And the longer that time of adversity, the more extensive that time of adversity, the more significant 
the uh, the challenge of the ministry that he's calling you and preparing you for. Right. So being useful to him, being useful in the kingdom becomes a big deal. That became a priority to me. And so this business ministry, this Christian businessmen's connections that I'm affiliated with, that was a great way for me to take my passion for business. I kind of feel like I'm built as a businessman, but I also love the Lord. And I put those two concepts together and discovered CBMC, and they provide a forum or a vehicle for me to go out into the marketplace and share my faith. That's what I love about CBMC. So you got involved in CBMC because your pastor in 1994 said, after you gave your life to Christ, you gotta you gotta find a mentor. You gotta find a, you're passionate about business. Find a business guy that's a Christian to b- disciple you. And you found a guy, and you got involved in CBMC. Is that when you got involved in the Tampa Mayor's Prayer Breakfast? Uh, no, uh, it, it, I didn't get involved in the Tampa Bay Mayor's Prayer Breakfast till much later, closer to the accident. Okay, and I became a participant. And uh, then the accident happened, and I was a participant. And then a a year or two after that, I mean, it just my faith really came alive. It's like a light. It was like I was a big Christian light bulb before the accident that was turned off. And then after the accident, the Lord used that adversity to flip the light switch on. And when my faith came alive, and He became the Lord of my life, and I went all in. I started looking for opportunities, and one of those opportunities was with the Tampa Bay Leadership Marriage Prayer Breakfast, and they let me serve on the board. And one, a couple of years, I was the chairman, and I still serve on the board of that. But that's that's part of the CBMC ministry action plan, by right. the way. That's one facet of our overall Tampa Bay ministry action plan. Now, many people don't know what we're talking about. In May of every year, there's a prayer breakfast that's at the convention center. It's at 6.30 in the morning, and yes, that means you got to leave at 5.30 to get there, get parking, and get in. Breakfast is provided, and then they bring in a top-notch speaker that not only shares something really cool that everybody wants to hear, but they share very clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ and invite people to follow him right there. And it's full of business people. I mean, there were almost a thousand people there this year on May the it was the May the fifth or May the sixth. I don't know, May the seventh. That's May what it May the seventh this year. All I remember was really early and very dark when I got there. And, but there was almost a thousand people. Dan, how many people gave gave their lives to Christ that morning? Well, this this event has been going on consecutively for 43 years. 43 years. Put on by faithful business people that are affiliated with CBMC. So it's not a money-making thing. No. Because no. I, I want people to understand, it's not a money-making it's thing. It's not. It's this not. is all and, about evangelism. And, and we do, the, the money that we raise during that day is just to offset the costs of the day. But uh, what happened as a result of that? Let me, let me first say that we spend an entire year every year putting this event together a team of of people come together they pray they pray about a speaker um and we don't pay speakers i mean the speakers just god delivers them this year it was tony dungy last year was bobby bowden and you didn't pay either of them (laughs) and joe gibbs you know and wally armstrong we just have this long laundry list of men that, that that god has provided for us but god has used the event I mean, the event is an evangelistic event. CBMC is a discipleship and evangelistic uh, ministry. So the purpose of the event is to share the gospel through somebody that has a platform to do that. This year it was Tony Dungy. Ninety-three people made first-time decisions for Christ. Another 152 rededicated their lives to Christ as we recorded the decisions on decision cards. And not everybody's going to write out a card, but that's the kind of impact that... Uh, just sharing your faith in a simple way. I mean, I, I just to remind the listeners, you know, when you share your faith about Jesus Christ with people, you do not have to have a fancy sermon prepared. You're not going to argue somebody into Jesus. You just need to share how Christ has impacted your life and explain that Jesus died for them too. 
And he paid the price for their sins, too. And Because people can't refute what Christ has done in your life. That's so important. People are always worried about, I'm going to just argue a minute. I'm like, you can't argue somebody into Jesus. The Holy Spirit's got to move in their lives. But you sharing your testimony helps melt away some of that hardness on the outside so people can actually hear that message because they can't refute what's happened in your life. And, and that's the great thing about marketplace ministry. You know, one of the terms that I learned from CBMC was lifestyle evangelism. Lifestyle evangelism. How many people come to Christ because you preach at them? Probably not too many. Most of the people that we're working with in the cubicles, um, a lot of them don't go to church, and yet they're looking at you. Okay, and your you, your lifestyle is what encourages them. You know, if you're praying for a person, and this is it's all about the Lord. It's all about the Lord's Spirit. All we do is get to participate in what He's already doing in somebody's heart. But if we're spiritually sensitive and we're praying for that person, and they start going through something and use us as a confidant. Hey, listen, we start to get these opportunities to minister to them with our faith. I love that word you just used. It was a fantastic word, spiritually sensitive. One of the things we describe on the show here very often is just that, you know, we're with, we're with people every day. We work with them every day. And so we know what they're like on a daily basis when they're up. So when they come in one of those days and they're not the same, you just look at them and go, what's wrong? And you sit down and you actually pay attention to them. Being spiritually sensitive, you pray before you go, but you sit down with them and you say, you just don't seem the same today. Is everything Okay. That's usually all you have to say. It gives you an opportunity, and usually at the end of that time, they've shared something with you, and you could say, hey, can I just pray for you right now? That's what I'd like to do. Sure. And it, and it changes the workplace through prayer. It's amazing. Let's get right back into it. Your faith, the way you shared your faith changed after the accident. The, the boldness in your faith changed after that adversity incident when your paradigm, I don't know if you want to use the earthquake shifted in your life. How did it change? How did it change in your workplace? Because you then went back into business again. How did it change how you operated? Well, it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, I lost everything in the accident, and then uh, the Lord became the Lord in my life. I, I just I understood now that I shouldn't be here, that he actually physically saved my life. He returned all of my physical health, and then I, I just went all in, and, uh, and he gave me a better job than I had before making more money. And, uh, and, you know, it just, I started to understand, you know, my identity is not found in jobs that come and go. My identity is not found in cars or spouses even. No offense to, you know, all the people out there and certainly not my wife. My wife understands this. My identity is in Christ now. No one can take that from me. I'm in his hand. Nothing can snatch me out of his hand. So that's a big change because I started to understand that my priorities have changed. Well, now I want to start taking this thing seriously. I want to really understand what he wants me to do. And I fear that there's a lot of people out there, and I'm speaking to the Christians out there. I fear that a lot of people get involved in a lot of things that they think they're doing for the Lord, but they're not. Okay? And remember, that, that the ultimate accountability meeting that each person, each man, woman, and child that's listening to this, we're all going to have the same meeting with the Lord when we die. Whenever that is. Could be tomorrow. Could it's a big one-to-one. -one. But, you know, in that meeting, that's when the things that we lay at his feet, some of them are going to be burned up like wood, hay, and stubble. Others, the things that he's actually called us to do, those are the things that are going to survive that little trial of fire and that we're going to present to him. And we're going to either be rewarded or rewards taken away. I never considered that. That's part of the eternal perspective. But it, it was so serious to me. This is how things have changed. Hey, listen, when I got really good at golf or football or investing money, I wanted to know how to do it. 
And he started to show me after the accident, hey, listen, you want to get good at this? Get close to me. Focus on your relationship with me. Well, and that's, you know, a lot of people, I tell people all the time that are really busy doing ministry stuff. They're doing stuff for the Lord. I'm like, really? Okay, let me just ask you this question. Any of that stuff really make a difference if you're not really that close with the Lord? You, what was? Why did God create you as a human being? Did he create you as a human being to do all this really cool ministry stuff? No. God created you, human being, in the womb of your mother because he wanted to have a personal relationship with you. That's right. That's the ultimate goal. The end game, if you want to know, this is a secret right here. If you want to know the end game to life... It is to do as Moses did and become a friend of God. That's what he desires. He's not interested in all the really cool stuff you can do for him because most of that time it's self-centered crap we're doing for ourselves. Now I'm going to get in trouble because I said that word on the air. My wife's going to be in trouble with me. Okay. (laughs) But he's not impressed with that stuff. He's impressed. He wants us. He's not interested in all the stuff. And I always, the danger is all that other stuff destroys your number one and two ministries because your number one ministry, Dan, is to your wife, Sarah. Your number two ministry is 33 weeks baking in her, in her stomach and then seven weeks comes out. That becomes your number two ministry. Those two ministries are the top priority before any of the other stuff you do for the Lord. But all that, all those things are a byproduct. And this is what I've come to understand. The byproduct is my relationship with the Lord is primary. As I'm in a tight relationship with the Lord, ministry becomes a byproduct of that. It is a natural outflowing, is what you're saying. That's right. A natural outflowing. Okay, so CBMC helps uh, to... To grow that natural outcropping in business people. Is it just for men? I just got to ask that question. I never never knew. CBMC is a men's ministry. So it's a men's ministry. We are evolving in certain events like the mayor's. So you're changing. Well, we're we're growing. growing. And and the events like the mayor's prayer breakfast, there's plenty of ladies that are involved there. In other areas where they have a full-time staffer like I'm becoming, you know, much more of the events become friendly to families and, and things like that. So we're looking to do more events with our wives, with families. You know, the mayor's prayer breakfast is co-ed, if mm-hmm. you will. Yep. Right now, the the lay, the lay leader-led ministry that we've been enjoying for the last 20 years involves a lot of men that get together on a weekly basis. And then as ministry teams, and they minister together. That doesn't mean we don't take our, our wives out and include them. It just means that um, that's how it's been for the last 20 years. Now, with me coming on staff, we're going to be including a lot more of our, our families in in the events. So you, you meet on a weekly basis. You're doing, I mean, give me an example. You said you had eight or nine groups in Tampa Bay right now that are CBMC groups. They're meeting on a weekly basis. Where do they meet? Okay. Well, if you go to our website and you can just Google CBMC Tampa Bay, um, there's a tab for all the groups and where they meet from Pinellas County to Hillsborough County. Some of them are in restaurants. Some are at offices, conference rooms. It's, it's their individual ministry teams. So what we call them are individual ministry teams. They're not really designed to be a Bible study. There is fellowship that takes place. But by design, these groups are professional and business leaders that encourage other business and professional leaders to come fellowship with other like-minded Christian business people, but also we're trying to get them discipled and turned into disciple makers. Spiritual reproduction is a big deal with CBMC. Ooh, I like that. Spiritual reproduction. That's really good. That, in addition to your uh, other term, the spiritually sensitive, creating spiritually sensitive business people who are spiritually reproductive. Right. We're trying to get people activated in their faith in the marketplace. At the end of the day, 
we have a lot of people that are out there that are focused on, you know, all the things of the day, you know, the, the, the worldly things of the day. And all we're trying to get them to do is that, that verse out of Matthew 6 uh, that says, seek first the kingdom of God. What does that look like? You know, I make a lot of decisions. My old pastor, Viv, used to give me that verse over 19 years. He passed away in October. But I'd come to him with all kinds of problems that involved either women or jobs or money. And he'd always say, you know, Dan, you need to seek first the kingdom of God. What does that look like in light of this question that you're asking me? Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Okay, I, I want to buy a $500,000 house. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God by going into that level of debt? Well, no, Pastor Viv, I'm not. Well, there's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it a lot simpler when you put it through that kind of filter. So we're trying to get business people, CBMC at the end of the day, we're just trying to get people active in their faith right where they're at. You know one of the most untapped missionary fields in the world? Yeah, the, the workplace. The workplace, the marketplace. You're sitting there. Do you think it's a mistake that you've been placed where you work? Do you think it's a mistake that you live next to the people that you live to? God, I think God has an expectation. I like to think of God as a businessman. Now, just go with me on this for a second. This is going to sound kind of funny. When God purchased my life, he purchased that at a price. Now, I think he wants a return on that investment. I think part of the return on that investment is he's going to place me in certain places like my workplace, my neighborhood, and he wants me to do some things. And I need to figure out what those things are. That's the return that he's looking to get in yeah, my life. that return 10, 50, and 100 times. That's what he's looking for. I mean, it's awesome. All right, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, picture this, if you will. The sun is shining, and the clear blue ocean waves are passing by as the Royal Caribbean Brilliance of the Seas cruise ship sails between Tampa and Cozumel. You can almost smell the salt air now. In fact... I think I can smell the salt air now. As we talk about our plans for the upcoming second annual Cruise Your Way to a Better Marriage Retreat, sponsored by I Work For Him. February 5th through the 9th, 2015. That's just seven months away. That'll be a time when you and your spouse can get away to invest in your marriage, because you need to. No dishes to do, no sporting events to attend, no cell phones to answer. Praise God! Just a few days together in a beautiful environment with purposeful discussions on ways to make your marriage strong, as well as plenty of time for those private discussions and alone time right on the agenda. Plan now to join us for this much-anticipated retreat. Find all the details on our website, iWorkForHim.com. That's iWorkForHim.com. All right, on next week's show... Show. We'll be focusing all of our shows next week on all we need is love in the workplace and at home. On Monday's I Work For Him show, we have Sue Wilson, who's the CFO of Crown College in Minneapolis. It's a Christian college in Minneapolis. She's going to be joining us to talk about the five languages of appreciation in the workplace and how she's put it into action. You know, the I Work For Him show is all about purposefully equipping vibrantly effective Christ followers in a workplace. If you'd like to be one of those Tampa Bay or nationwide companies supporting the vision of I Work For Him on this show right here, right now, please contact me, Jim at IWorkForHim.com, Jim at IWorkForHim.com. On the I Work For Him website, you'll find tons of great resources, including the show schedule, the guest schedule, and recommended reading resources for incorporating Christ in your workplace. I recommend that you check it out. All right, I'd like to thank my guest today, Dan Schock, with the new, the new area leader for CBMC in Tampa Bay. Dan, thanks for making it a great discussion today. It was my distinct pleasure, and I just want to give... All the credit to the Lord. I'm glad he saved my life so that I could be here with you and all the listeners. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, 
I work for him.